Blog Talk Radio. Whiteside, whoever else is fine, they're all options. 
Pat Riley's going to try to do whatever he needs to do to build a championship contender because he knows he doesn't have one right now. He has to know that. And that, 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 that they 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 um they were definitely um, overachievers this year by 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 far. Miami was. Um, I I think they did a lot better than people expected them to do, and uh, I give I give them a lot of credit. Uh, but uh, but uh, I I I would have to see. But as far as your your argument about the worst first seed, I would have to see because there were years in the West that there were some bad teams that were that like in the number one slot. And, and I'm just trying to think, um, you know, when the West was really bad and I'm just trying to think that there might be one that, that might be, you know, maybe not, not worse, but maybe just as, as bad. But, you know, I'll tell you something though, Will, you got to give, the Celtics, the, the, all the credit in the world how they built up that program. It's unbelievable. They got a great young coach. They, they built it through the draft. They got a great draft pick coming up. I mean, they just did it step by step by step, you know, with Danny Ainge. It's, it's incredible. I, it, it, it's, a, it's a great story. It is a great story. I'm not taking anything away from what well, the Celtics that. did. I know that. But as far as, and then going in, to what you said, those Western teams. There are two Western teams that two Western um, number one seeds that have lost to an AC. That is the um, the, the Seattle SuperSonics um, with uh, Gary Payton and Sean Kemp. Right. Uh, they, lost they, to the, to, they lost to Denver. Right. Um, I remember that year. That was in the nineties. Yeah, that was in the nineties. And then there is a there's a team that was brought up in this um, discussion on Facebook, the 07 Mavericks. Now the old seven Mavericks was a sixty seven and fifteen ball club. Um, they did lose to the Warriors in the first round of a very small Warriors team, but the Warriors got them to play their style of ball and that's what they took advantage of. But that Mavericks team was talented. Don't get it twisted. They just ran into a bad matchup. I don't think that I'm I'm looking at it based off talent, not the result that happened in the first round. That's what that's what I was looking at it at. Okay, but this is okay. This is a great discussion, first of all. But this is what bothers me. This mm-hmm. is, and you and I talked about it last last week. Mm-hmm. This is what bothers me is that the Cavaliers didn't even take the time to try to get that number one seed. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can say that Boston is the worst number one seed, but they got a team that's behind them that was complaining about this, complaining about that, whining about this, and whining about that, and didn't it didn't and doesn't really think that the that the regular season means much, and that that that's what bothers me. I think the the Celtics, if you know whether they're the wor- worst number one seed ever, I don't know, but they sure deserve the number one seed. If, if, if the Cavaliers are not going to take it seriously, nothing. You're right. The Cavaliers, um, I guess you would say, uh, lackadaisical effort in the regular season is Boston's game. There's nothing wrong with that. It's nothing wrong with Boston taking advantage of it. I mean, I don't have a problem with Boston at, at, at all being the number one seed. It was just a just an observation from yesterday's game because they are just really one solid player or one all-star player and a bunch of solid guys. That's basically this, what their team is. And this is not the Boston teams that we're used to. You know, this is not a Boston. These are, this is not a Boston team that has the swagger uh, of those uh, of those three amigos and. And you know the swagger of uh, um, of uh, a bird 
um, and, and, and the Chiefs. Uh, this is this is this is a, a team that was built from from the ground up, like I said before. And I think you know they're a di- they're a different Boston Boston type of team. They are really, if you think about it, if you really think about it, well, they are different from any Boston team that uh, professional team that plays there. It's just just the way they were built up. Oh yeah, Danny Ainge's Danny Ainge's done done his job. He may have exactly. He may have. Uh... Be a little, he may be a little too cautious this year. I think he should have made the deal, given the fact that he's got the Nets um, top pick. I mean, it, it's guaranteed to be a top three pick. I think he could have made that deal to get rid of that um, that draft pick to get a guy in to help Isaiah Thomas. But he's he's thinking that he can uh, either swing a deal this this summer or he's just going to get a top notch ball player to yeah, come in and really not, build that team. But that's not. But that's not their. That's not their format. That's not their. Their blueprint. Their blueprint isn't to trade that that uh, draft. Their blueprint is to draft that draft pick and then build from there. They're not. They're not building. They're not building for. They're not even maybe building for next year. They're building for years to come. Yeah, they want. You're right. They want to be. They want to be able to have a sustainable uh, success uh, for years to come. Because LeBron is declining. Let's call that what that is. Also, and speaking of LeBron in Cleveland. Again, uh, at the end of that ball game, they were gifted because I don't know why in the hell Paul George passed the ball. What did he pass the ball for? I mean, I granted he passed it to C.J. Miles and was looking for it to be returned right back to him, but still, he shouldn't have passed it. He knows that the game's on him. And really, honestly, him shooting over two people is better than C.J. Miles shooting wide open. That's just the honest to God truth. So some people right, had a problem right. with coaching in that situation. I say, no, Paul George shouldn't have passed the ball. He's the star. He just bombed one from damn near 35 yeah. feet to tie the game. Why not shoot the ball? Why pass it? Right. I agree. Well, yeah, it's not the coach's fault. It's the player's fault in that, in that situation. That, that's always the way I look at it. Um, when it comes down to it at the end of an NBA game, um, a lot of times the coaches, they do script plays, basically. But when these guys play each other so much, it's so much different than football. Football, the preparation or, or is key. Oh, or college basketball. Oh, that's true. That is so true. Preparation college is basketball is so much different. Coaching college, I'm sorry, Will, I interrupted you. No, go ahead, college, go ahead. Co- mm-hmm. Coaching college basketball is so much different than coaching um, pro ba- basketball because you know the guys who can take the shot. You know who's defending who. Right. In college basketball, especially in a tournament, Clemson is playing Oregon, and they have never played them before. You know, before in their lives. So it really all all depends on, on coaching and how you set it up and, and everything. But uh, the NBA, I mean, we talked about it last week. I mean, who's running the, the Cavaliers? Who's coaching the Cavaliers? We know who's coaching the Cavaliers. You know, and his, and his, and his first name begins with an L. That's right. You know, and so so. Um, yeah, it, it, it's different. Go ahead. I want to hear, hear your football analogy. That's, that's well, no, my football, my football analogy is, is basically it's, it's, football is, is a preparation sport, whether it's whatever level, high school, college, or football. It's you, everything is based upon preparation and getting you uh, accustomed to what a team's tendencies are and things exactly. of that nature. Um, that plays a big part in the, in the process of a 60-minute football game. And basketball, because everything is on basketball in the NHL, I can say that everything is on the fly. 
everything when you have you if you have superior talent right in major league base, I mean in uh, in the NBA and the NHL you win because you got to have guys that are superior athletically and that also have IQ for the sport i.e. either basketball or hockey so that's why the end of a game situation doesn't mean anything to me because nine times out of ten, the other team's going to stop the initial uh, play that's run. You have to improvise. And with Paul George's skill set, he should have been able to just say, well, you know what, I can't pass to C.J. Miles. There's a reason he's open. There's, there's a reason why he's by himself. And they got two guys chasing me. I'm better and, off taking that shot. And late, and Leitner did not win that game against Kentucky coaching one yeah, yes, exactly. In fact, in fact, Hill's pass was even better than the Leighton shot. It was. That. You know, so so you can go back to that kind of situation. That's why I got so much. Uh, I think college coaching is so much harder. Oh, it is. Know. It and is. My, and that might be why Brad went to, to Boston because you have to recruit. You're constantly recruiting, and it's just it's just and you're and you're dealing with it. it I think it's a lot more rewarding. You know, I think it's a lot more rewarding. Like, like you know, with all all the people that come through Coach K's uh, uh, hall, I think it's a lot more rewarding than being a, a NBA coach. I would have to say, think that Coach K is probably more uh, more proud of his his accomplishments than than, than Phil Jackson is in some ways, uh, just because of all the young men that he's touched. So, um, so, um, and, but. Uh, but yeah, but it's a tough, it's a tough business. Especially the college basketball coaches, because the turnover is is consistent year to year. It's not like the college football, because you at least get those kids for three years. You get yeah, the one and yeah, the one and done is terrible. I think you and I talked about it before. Either do one or done, or don't do it at all. Well, I mean, I, do don't do one or done, or you know, do, either do two years or don't do it at all. That's how I feel. I'm, I'm totally in agreement with you. I think they should do two years. Um, one, it would help the product, and two, it would help the kids. I think the kids. Kentucky's going to have five freshmen starting next year. Again. Then that's again. Been, yeah, again. Yeah. I like how you said that. Again. Again. <laughs> They've been doing it. I mean, this has been going on now for almost since the one and done was in, implemented. So the Kentucky uh, Calipari jumped on that um, from the beginning. Um, and it's amazing because he's had yeah, but so how much many championships has he won? He's won. That's it. One championship out of that. Yeah. Yeah. He should he should have put he should have put actually he lost um he lost that Wisconsin game because of his coaching. He should have won that game. Well, he he lost that game even when he had Derrick Rose um and that team um when he was at Memphis. He was in the national championship game, he lost to Kansas, a much more experienced Kansas team. He he got there because Anthony Davis and that group was just, they were really, those kids were mature beyond their years, um, that, that freshman class. But he's got all these other McDonald's All-Americans who just haven't uh, been able to gel like that one with Anthony Davis on it. I mean, he even had uh, DeMarcus Cousin and John Wall on the same team, and the best they could do was the Elite Eight. They didn't even make the Final Four. So You, you, you would think at least, I know the money is very inviting and you could get, into that any time, but you would think at least one of those freshmen would want to say, "Hey, hey, coach, I'm sticking around for softball." Boston, we brought up the Boston and Boston area sports. I want to get your thought on the New England Patriots. Uh, they're going to be visiting. Okay. They're going to be visiting the White House here shortly. Some of the players, six players, have decided they will not go. Legarrette Blunt, um, 
Chris Long. Let me make sure I get the list. Let me get okay. Let me take a look at this. Okay, Legarrette Blunt, Chris Long, Dante Hightower, him of just uh, receiving a big contract from the Patriots. Well, it's actually five players. Mattelis Bennett, a former Patriot, he's now traded, and Devin McCourtney. They're all skipping on the White House visit that's going to be coming up here on the 19th, which will be Wednesday. Um, <laughs> my my thoughts on this is, if I was on the New England Patriots, I would skip this visit too. Um, I just think there's so much that could be said by not showing up than that can be just following this tradition. I think Donald Trump has just really been a divisive figure in this country. Yes, I respect the office that he's in as the president of the United States, but in order for me not to disrespect, in order for me to just not disrespect that office and just be rolling my eyes while I'm there and feeling very uncomfortable, if I was a New England Patriot, I would not be attending this event either, just because, not just because of his politics, but because of some of the things that he said. Um, I agree with you, and I disagree with you. I, okay. I agree with you that I would not attend either, mm-hmm. but I disagree with you that I don't know how much of a message it is, it is sending because there's a lot of players that, that have gone to, uh, you know, won championships that did not go to the White House, that right. did not attend. So I'm not sure how much of a you know how now unless unless our our our, our twittering um, commander in chief uh, says something about it um, uh, you know on 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 on, on Twitter um, <laughs> I, I don't I don't know if it's you know because everything ticks him off um, anything can tick him off. Um, I don't know if it's, if, you know, if, if it's really worth it. I mean, he didn't listen to this. Listen to this, Will. He didn't throw out the first ball at um, at the, the Nationals game. Um, and you know why? He didn't want to get booed. He didn't want to get booed. But <laughs> you do policy. There's two things, you know, I, I'm always very leery to get into discussion about. That's politics and religion because people's passion will come out real quick. Not so much right. relationships. Because everybody's having, you know, everybody's had a fucked up relationship at some point. But <laughs> you don't mind. Go ahead. I want to bring up about the statue uh, with Fernandez, and I want to know how, what you think about it and what the situation is. I think, um, given even though his uh, his short tenure um, and his tragic death, I think if they're going to give uh, him a statue, they should. I mean, he shit, he was the Marlins. He, yeah. he he was the team. I mean, I can tell you this much. If if he was still alive and whenever he pitched, that stadium jumped. That stadium was live. Exactly. So, exactly. Um, and he was the first really um, Cuban player that actually got on the Marlins team that actually I think the Cuban community really embraced. They right. really embraced him. They took him as no matter whether he was related to them or not as one of theirs. So he he brought that that uh, he joined together the Cuban community with the rest of South Florida's baseball fans and definitely the Florida Marlins. I think had Jose Fernandez not been there, I think you would have heard the screams for Jeffrey Loria to be out of there so long ago. It's not even funny, but I think right. because of Jose right. Fernandez and what he was able to do and his his attitude, he was he was just he was a Marlin, and I think mm-hmm. if that's what they're gonna do. It's well-deserved. They should give it to him. Okay. um, Let me tell you what I think. Mm -hmm. I don't think there should be a statue for him. 
Okay. I think there should be possibly like outside the customer service area inside, you know, there's always a customer service area, maybe a plaque for him. Mm-hmm. But be it that the circumstances that have come back with, with, with um, autopsies and so on, I just don't think it's a good, a good symbol to have in front, in front of your, you know, in front of your stadium. I, I don't have, like I said, I don't have a problem with them putting, putting some kind of plaque up or maybe something behind home plate or something or something like that. But I think a statue is too much. Okay. Do you to your opinion? I mean, mm-hmm. I have nothing, I have nothing against that. I just think they should, you know, I, I think if, because of his heritage, how important he was to the community. If the Marlins, if the Marlins got any, if they want to do something the correct way, they would do that for him. Yeah. You know, but if it was, I mean, I guess if you can look at it as, you know, if it, if it was something that was for the entire Major League Baseball, I would say no. But this is a Miami thing, and he was a he was a Marlin by way right. of Cuba. So, and given how, but you don't have any, you don't have any problems the way he died. You don't have any problems. I have, you know, hey, listen, young guy, what was he, 24 years old? He was on a wild bench. He, yes, he should not have been, you know, operating a, a, a vehicle, uh, operating a boat, you know, um, under the influence. Um, I think that's what the, the autopsy came back, showed that he had, right. um, you know, he was under the influence a little bit. No, he should not have been. And, yes, I do. I, I feel sorry for the other young men that lost their life in that situation and their families. And, and Jose, not just not just Jose's family, but the other young men also. But if I'm going strictly by what he did for baseball and and just excluding that, I say get a young man a statue. Yeah, but oh, okay, all right. Mm-hmm. I I think it's too. I we 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 agree to disagree on this because I think it's too strong to exclude that. Mm-hmm. I I think you know if he's going to be a a role model, so to speak. You know, this is not Roberto Clemente, okay? Right. If he's going to be a role model for for, for young Cuban kids, I don't think a statue in his honor, based on the way he died, is is, is appropriate. Again, I don't have a problem with a plaque mm-hmm. of some sort. Anyway, I got Greg's opinion in regards to that first. Um, before I get into the discussion with this young lady, I want to bring her, uh, give her the proper introduction. She's back on for the second time. Last time, um, yeah, she pretty much gave Greg the business. But <laughs> this, <laughs> this time she is by herself. I want to welcome Miss Maisha to the show. How you doing, Maisha? Hey, how you doing? I'm, I've had better days, but I, I survived. <laughs> I survived. All right, one of the um, things that uh, Greg and I discussed uh, was in regards to the possible statue for Jose Fernandez. I say he should get it. Um, I know what he meant to the Miami community down there mm-hmm. and the Cuban community. So I say yes, Greg says no. What is your what is your thoughts? I say no, too. I, I don't know what he's done. I mean, if they... You know, consider this lady from Cuba and coming over here. That's one thing, but in that case, you have to award millions of people with that statue. He hadn't reached the point in his career where it's like, wow, this guy is great. It's 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 too premature. It's not worth it. Then the, the second thing that everybody knows in the fact is, if he had survived that crash, he'd be in prison. 
that I mean he was driving, he was impaired. He he is not disturbed disturbing at all. And that's that's just how I feel about it. He hadn't done anything in his career to even merit anything like that. Not that kind of reward. And everyone is just catching and um and the street is I I don't like it. So you you're saying his not not necessarily just a transgression, but possibly that he just hasn't done a, he doesn't have a extensive body of work. I mean, what is his legacy? What what can you literally look at with his stats and say this guy right here was just? I mean, uh, let's be real. Like with Sean Taylor, of course his NFL career was short lived, but in that career you have highlights where you like, wow, this guy would have been. You know, there there was no ceiling yet. With him, you don't know. I mean, he wasn't doing anything that you would just sit there and say, oh, my God, like, he's just the next, what is he? It's nothing yet. He, 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 didn't, he didn't do anything. Okay. I can't fault you for your opinion. I mean, and then on top of that, the Marlins, I mean, the, the, the franchise is, you know, it has nothing to do with him, but they hadn't won the games. They, it, it was just too much that was missing from his career. Too much. And the only reason they're giving it to him is because he's Cuban. That, and that's, the, that's nothing else to it. If he had been white, black, Puerto Rican, did nothing. That's the only reason he's getting it. Because he's part of that elite Cuban community that deflected from Cuba. That's it. Okay. I don't have a problem with that. Okay, let me ask you, get your opinion about what LeVar Ball said, and if you need any reminder, LeVar Ball said basically that um, he he didn't blame him, but he said because of lack of foot speed, basically, with the three white players they have on their team, T.J. Leaf, uh, Alfred son, and I forgot what the other young man's name was, but he was saying because of their lack of foot speed, that's what caused their loss to Kentucky. Um, it was immediately um, – fun until that basically the ball wall blames the white players. I'm not going there with this. My thing is, is LeVar Ball's <laughs> antics, is his antics really overshadowing, overshadowing rather, his son's talent? Because Lonzo can play. Got the funkiest jump mm-hmm. shot i ever seen. But LeVar mm-hmm. is really being out there. And I can't be mad at this dude, honestly. I'm oh, man oh, with oh, one yeah. son. You know what I'm saying? I, I got mean, one. if he time. said that about the white players, I, I disagree. I would, I mean, people have their opinions, but for you to say that, mm-hmm. for you to say that, that's like really, come on. Like, you know, that's something you just don't do. Mm-hmm. You know, especially you blame it on a race of people, not, you know, I, I think that's just something you don't do. Mm-hmm. However, what I do like a lot about LeVar is that. Let's be real. I mean, how many people were talking about his son on a daily basis before? I mean, you walk up into any sports bar now, and I'm talking about we haven't saw UCLA play all year. If you're in Florida or you, you hadn't really saw them play. But when he, you heard about him, it made you want to go and look at the – let me go look at these games or let me when they're playing. Let me go see what exactly – what his son does and how good his son because he brought that to you know to the forefront it's like you really want to see how good his son is mm-hmm. because of his mouth mm-hmm. before that I, I didn't know who he was until 
I started looking at the scene of interviews and hearing everybody saying, oh, you should just shut up. And, you know, and it's like I tell people all the time, those helicopter fathers have been around for a while, just not really in the black community because Eli Manning, his father told a, a NFL team, my son isn't signing with you, you know? And they drafted him and they traded him because this is what he said. It doesn't matter how good my son was. He, to me, didn't deserve to be number one. But because his father said, this is what he is and this is what he's going to be and he's not going to play. I mean, we've had it for years, you know, whoever was the highest bidder. And, it, it, I mean, it's happening. He's not the first to do it. He won't be the last. What I do like is that, you know, while you're showing him in his face, you're also showing his shirt, the billionaire. You know, it's like he's marketing everything, and he doesn't care at this point. It's the most outrageous stuff I say, the more camera time I'm going to get. And he's eating it up. Now we know about his son who scored, what, 90 points? What was it, 72 points? Nine. He had to bench him. Right, 92. Uh -huh. Who, had we had known that, had, had he not been a big mouth? Right. We wouldn't have known it. Right. Everybody knows it now. Mm -hmm. So it, 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 to me, they said it's hurting. No, it's not. It's making them even more popular. Because I, I don't care about Lily C that much. All right, got to bring this conversation to a close, but I got to get your thoughts on the NBA playoffs. I'm just going to go all the way through because I think it's really boring.